This is the at u2.com podcast for March 29th, 2020, talking all things U2, including new album news, tour dates, and community discussions from the staff of at U2. Before we jump in the, into the discussion, I want to let you know that you can find links to items we discuss in this episode at www.goodstuff.fm slash at u2 slash 103. And if you're not already subscribed to the At U2 podcast, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you currently listen to podcasts. Uh, my name is Colin Suter, and I am joined by Mason Merritt. Hello. And Amy Flugrupt. Did I say that right? I should have checked before the show. <laughs> it's totally okay. Amy Fluhop. And yes, Flu-hop. how is everybody? <laughs> yep. Bored. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so bored, we're willing to uh, throw caution to the wind and try a little podcast experiment. So this is not a usual episode of the at u2.com podcast, because what we're doing is we're recording a commentary track for you to listen to while you watch the Experience and Innocence Berlin video that the band released on their website for subscribers of at u2.com. I'm sorry, for u2.com. We don't have subscribers. We just show up and we'll give you whatever we got. <laughs> um, and uh, so it's streaming right now on u2.com if you have a subscription. There might be other ways to watch it, but I don't know of any. Might surprise yourself. I don't know. Um and there will be a forthcoming DVD to fan club subscribers, which, of course, is delayed, just like the whole world is being delayed right now. So we're just going to have to be patient about that. But when you do get the DVD, um, if that's your media of choice for watching this uh, and listening to us, we hope you'll maybe download this for future use. We've never done anything like this before. Um, commentary tracks are not terribly common for concert videos although there have been a, a, a few concert movies that have had commentary tracks from the director and from the band um, i'm thinking of stop making sense has a great commentary track on it uh martin scorsese's the last waltz i believe has one um but they're not terribly common so uh we decided to try recording one as a sort of a fan commentary track and uh see if uh you know if it's gonna work um and so this is going to be just part one of the video. We're going to stop halfway through during the Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me video. Our and personal then... trainers are going to come out and stretch us out. <laughs> Tom's going to change into his leather jacket. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> and uh, so part two will be a separate download. Um, we thought that would be easier. Um, and uh, if you're so you're going to have to sync this commentary track up with your video and we will tell you when to hit play so that you are watching along with us in the event that the commentary track goes out of sync with your video by a few seconds don't worry we're going to try and be as general in our commentary as possible and not terribly specific uh, about shots and moments um so don't worry We're, we're we're thinking of of that as well um, and when this is all over, please let us know what you think. Please let us know if this was uh, not cool, <laughs> if we really uh, messed things up, or um, we know our mics aren't perfect. That's okay. We get that part. You don't have to tell us that. But um, if you want us to do more of these, and if so, how? what would you like to have changed? Um, we don't want to just hear the negative people because people love being negative on the internet. We want to hear some positive feedback too, if you have any, so that we can be encouraged and do more because I think this sounds like fun for us to do. But we will only, um, Colin, we should say we're only going to be considering any criticisms if they are a commentary track of our commentary track. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. That, there you go. It, it sounds <laughs> redundant, but uh, it's, it's really just to keep us organized. But, uh, <laughs> No, There's going to be about uh, 300 more stupid jokes like that, people. So just buckle up. <laughs> Strap in. <Yep>. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, all right. So by now, uh, you may want to hit pause on this and then go tr- queue up your video to the 0000, 000 mark. Um, so go, if this is a D, if they send out a DVD that's got menus or FBI warnings at the beginning, go through all that, get that done. And then just had the video queued up at 000, and we'll tell you when to hit play. All right. So now that you've 
you're you've hit the pause button on us. You're back. You've got the video queued up. We're gonna give you a three, two, one countdown to hit play. I'm gonna go three, two, one, play. And when I say play, when I say it, not after I say it, when I say it, <laughs> that's when you're gonna hit play. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one, play. So I like that the video opens with what we would have seen on screen at the show, at the start of the show, um, as we just fade right into uh, the image of what we now know to be Bono's brain scan, which is kind of the catalyst for this whole thing, really. Um, It's also unusual for a video to open with the credit like that, a film directed by, and then the director's name. You would hope that that would indicate that this would be a concert video that is different from others, that it would have its own sort of flavor and unique visual flair to it. If we're announcing a director right at the top. Uh, and I think this video earns that distinction. Uh, it's definitely a cut above most other concert videos. I like that we hear uh, the Zuropa love is bigger mashup. Interesting choice to start off with pretty much the screen images and you just Berlin 1946 just faded out. I like that they didn't go right to the the, the arena and they just kept it to the visuals. It was kind of neat. Yeah, especially uh, for those of us who weren't there, um, who really want to absorb this this imagery and really see what was on that screen. There are a lot of directors who kind of fail at that Mm -hmm. (laughs) when they make these videos but amy you were there i was this was my 22nd show of this tour i was in tulsa sorry yeah i was in tulsa and then um when everyone uh, panicked after what happened to bono in berlin the first attempt um and then it turned out he was okay i just added berlin to the end of my so I was planning to do uh london belfast dublin and then i just added berlin at the end so that was kind of Mm-hmm. Kind of a cool, uh, the whole thing with his voice was definitely scary. Um, scary is yeah. a relative term these days, but at the time it was scary. Um, but, but yes, yeah, so I was there. Uh, a little bit, you know, bittersweet at the beginning because, you know, it's the last show of the tour. Uh, definitely. But uh, definitely exciting. And it's definitely exciting because you knew that they were going to really amp it up because of what had happened the first attempt. So, hmm it's also worth noting that um, Coldplay actually used this, the I think the la- the back half of the speech for the opening of their tour, uh, Head Full of Dreams from a few years ago. So doesn't really help the whole Coldplay's U2 <laughs> argument. <laughs> no, but... Um, oh, it's one from one of my favorite films of all time. and uh, Weekend at Bernie's, obviously. Of course, yes. The second <laughs> one. And... Uh, that's uh, Charlie Chaplin uh, in The Great Dictator, one of the great comedies ever. You should all seek it out, watch it. If you've never seen a Chaplin movie before, that's this is a good place to start, even though it's a talkie. It's his first talkie. And uh, when I first saw this on YouTube, somebody filmed it and put it out there. I mean, I just, I got so pumped. I got so excited, like I am right now. Um, it's just, uh, it's one of my favorite YouTube show intros ever. Um, yeah. And one thing that I noticed was it's, you know, it's obviously different. The European leg was different from the North American leg and this was a different intro. And when I first saw this in London, um, which was towards the end of the European leg, it was just, it was really uh, obvious to me that they were trying to address stuff like uh, the breakup of the European union or, you know, Brexit, that sort of thing. And just, to remind people visually and in pretty stark, stark visual, you know, the, those videos of the war, pretty, pretty intense um, to remind people, you know, this is what happened when, when Europe didn't stick together. And this is kind of the scary, you know, potential maybe that's out there. You have the rise of dictators, you have war, that sort of thing. And to me, they weren't, they were not messing around. They were definitely calling that out, um, which I thought was, uh, definitely, you know, for me, I thought it was important um, when I saw it the first time in London, and then obviously they did it at the rest of the shows that I saw as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, when I I saw just two the two Chicago shows and the Memphis show for this tour, 
and it was a d- different flavor. It was it felt more even more personal than this one does than this version of the show does because they weren't really confronting a whole lot of American issues. I mean, it was you know usual. I mean, lot, you know refugee stuff and 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 things like that, but. Um, it was more in line with Bono's personal experiences, you know, the brush with death kind of thing. And um, so when it changed in Europe, I was a little disappointed when I read about it. I was like, oh man, they, they, it's not going to be the same kind of show, but it is actually still the same show. Um, Just with a different flavor to it. Uh, It's really, I I, got to just say about the, the, we're on the blackout right now. Um, the director of this video, Matt Askham, does a really lovely job of doing this like split screen effect that I wish more directors would employ when making concert videos because it's hard to make editing choices and and not over edit on a video. And I'm speaking as a video editor. Um, but I think it does a just a wonderful job of just showing us what the audience can see not going into the cage and filming there. Um, uh, and just, uh, it really gives a great feeling of what, what it's like to be at the show at this moment. I feel like I just saw I, the McFisto mask a couple seconds ago. I did too. I, I think I just saw that too. <laughs> I'd never noticed that. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> wow. I, I would scan back and just to see, but uh, I, we can't do that right now. We press on. <laughs> yep. You can know at home. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love this song to kick it off. Every every show that I saw on the tour, this was just a fun way. Um, whether it was your first year two show or your however many I've been to at various points, um, just it was fun. It was a great mm-hmm. song. Just the way they they did it with the lights and everything, it kind of uh, the whole place just started to rock. No matter where you were at, uh, it was just exciting. People are jumping. You just feel the energy. So especially in Europe, they kind of you know. This is what we think about various things going on in Europe. This is how we feel, but this is a rock show and we're still here to have a good time and we're still here to Mm -hmm. make sure you have a great time. And um, that to me was just, like I said, the whole place just goes crazy. I I remember in Tulsa that in this part of the song after I think like the third or fourth chorus or something like that, they just, they blew up the whole arena. Like they put it on light, but I think as it went, they sort of scaled that down a little bit and kept it to these quick flashes a little bit more. I think this works a little bit better. Definitely works better from a cinematography movie standpoint. It's a lot mm-hmm. more interesting to look at than just the arena bathed in light. Definitely. Definitely. Because it kind of, it's almost like a teaser. It's like you can kind of see them, but you can't. Um, yeah. Which is kind of cool. So. And for the record, I was behind. The the, too. Yeah. Oh, no, I got you. I was behind the stage. I was, uh, I had, I was in the second row behind the stage. So. Where Larry's yeah, I sitting, think. I was, yeah, behind the, the big stage. Nice. So oh, I couldn't God. necessarily see all this at the moment, um, but I, I'd seen it a few other times, so it was cool. And now we get to see something that we didn't get to see on the Innocence and Experience Tour, the way the stage kind of s- splits like this and curves, like becomes a ramp. I don't think they did that in the nope. Innocence tour. They nope. they still had some tricks up their sleeve with this whole setup that uh, they held back, which I think is pretty great. Uh, now, what am I supposed to make of the the part that he's standing on? I I, I I get that it's like a bridge of some kind, but I don't. I still don't know what they were going for with it. I think I I, I look at it as this is um, you know this is we're still talking about Bono's brush with mortality here and this is sort of the ramp leading up to heaven maybe in that moment you know seeing the light maybe um uh being near death and he's walking towards it and then makes his way back down uh and comes back alive for the free yourself to be yourself part that's where that's my interpretation there i'm sure there are many other interpretations um either of you guys have Nope, that's that very makes intuitive. Sense to either of you? I think, yep. okay. I think it's a yeah. cool visual, but yeah, I'm sure yeah. there's something to it. I, I'm just, I've been struck by some 
by the moment. And I feel like Edge doesn't use that many guitars and number in this show. So I'm going to keep a count. So I, I have him using two guitars so far. I feel like as we get later, he uses that same yellow one. But mm-hmm. I guess we'll find out. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> this part for me was always really... Um, Kind of not really, I mean, a lot of parts of you two shows are emotional for me, but this whole part um, was always really spiritual and kind of matter where I was in the stadium, whether I was in GA kind of along the rail, kind of maybe down where the the walkway is, or if I was uh, sitting at the top, or I mean, I saw it from various vantage points throughout the whole tour and just really just intense, just, you know, um, him kind of, like you said, him talking about his brush with death. And then, like you said, him going back down to, you know, free yourself, to be yourself. And just really, like I said, very kind of spiritual for me personally. Um, I love this opening, like with the, the the rock and the fun of the blackout and then into this. It was just the contrast and a lot of emotions really quick in the first part of the show. Mm-hmm. Is there something really ethereal about it that just – just the, that, that imagery right there. And I'm, I, and I, I always saw the show on the floor. I never saw it from all the way back, but I was, I love these wide shots when he goes, in, when, when they go into a wide shot of, of what this looks like from way back. Uh, it's just, I just think it's great theater, you know, yeah. just, just, it's just beautiful. And, and, you know, you can interpret it any, many different ways, but uh, the imagery is just stunning. Yeah, and you definitely feel Bono's emotions for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have always thought that I've always told people whenever you go to a YouTube show, you never feel like they're phoning it in, no matter how many times they've done it. And mm-hmm. for me personally, I always felt like his emotions were just absolutely kind of raw about, like you said, about his feelings about mortality and that sort of thing. I so. appreciate the restraint to not light up the floor underneath him, too. Yeah. Save that for later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, this to me, this part of the song this song and this part of the song is the peak of the album and and one of the peaks of the show i just love the grandiosity of this moment and it's so early you think i still can't i'm still marvel like that they didn't put this later and i'm not criticizing at all i'm just saying like this is such a high moment and it's so early too you're just like wow this is what's the rest of the show gonna be like yeah no you're right it's very joyous we're getting some great shots of Edge, by the way. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Matt Axum. Yeah, some McFisto horns. If you just saw them real quickly in the, in the audience, yeah, they're every they're everywhere. That uh, one guy. There's, more, there's a few people wearing them. I think his one guy's just lighting up. Yeah, I've always thought this was cool. the The way they kind of like did the on this like the date and everything. It was just a personal touch to every show mm-hmm. um, on the screen. They definitely localize it in a lot of places. Exactly. I love that. Here's a deep cut, right? I don't hear this one too often. (laughs) (laughs) I think you you can see, um, just generalizing the shots here, that it's getting a lot tighter as opposed to Lights lights of Home, since they're all so close Mm -hmm. to each other. And a lot of medium shots, some good crowd shots, and Mm -hmm. shooting from behind the band too, which I always love. Yeah, this is a classic. Doesn't matter if you're a big YouTube fan, if you're no matter how many of their songs you know, this one always gets the crowd going. And how Edge jumps while playing guitar, I would fall. I don't I mean I can't play guitar at all anyway, but um I yeah, the energy is just lights up the whole place. Now, I know I keep talking about that. It probably sounds with um, it was I, I will follow as always. That's what YouTube show part is. The show, it's just but I think energy. And the next show song was one that they alternated. I just remember they did Electrico and uh, Out of Control. Out of and Control. All Because of You. Right, right, right. All Because of You, right? Yeah, also. Yeah. I think I saw that like two or three times. I guess there's always kind of a the fight that you have with yourself to like when you put it on film, do you go with something like All Because of You, which doesn't show up a lot, or something like Gloria, which doesn't show up a lot, or Electrico, or whatever. I'm assuming that was a hard pick to, and we're getting ahead of ourselves a lot, obviously, but still. <laughs> well, I think at this part in the show, for just the audience um, yeah. who's paying to see this, they've heard two new album cuts. Now it's let's throw them a hit. <laughs> you know, I know it's I know oh, they yeah. put more thought into it than that, but 
uh, and I know there's a reason why I will follow is in this show. It's a very personal song, but uh, no, I'm talking more in. about Gloria. I will follow makes sense. Yeah. It's a banger. Yeah. But again, getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but what's, this is sort of the, this song at this point, we're kind of starting with the innocence portion of the show. We're backtracking to innocence again. Right. Um, I love this too, where you ask everybody to hold the band up. It just kind of brings you into the show, mm-hmm. makes you feel like they can't do it without you. They need the audience to be in it. Yeah. They've done this. It They did it also on uh, this past fall as well. But I love this again. Mm-hmm. I just, like I said, it asks everybody and you can always tell um, my opinion, like who you're around, like kind of where you're at. If everybody does this, like you can tell kind of the people who've been here before, maybe the people who are really into it, if they stop and, hold their hands up and sometimes I've gotten a few weird looks from people are like, what are you doing? But, oh yeah, Bono asked you to hold your hands up because the band needs you to. Mm-hmm. You do it. You stop recording and you do it. That's what I say. So, Was there, now Amy, were you at the, um, you were at the show where he lost his voice, right? I was not. That oh, happened in okay. September. Okay. Uh, I believe it happened in September. And uh, no, I was, just gonna, I, I was wondering if the, uh, the vibe was noticeably different at this yeah. show than other shows um, just because of that. The anticipation was amped up even more. Um, it felt like it. It felt like people were yeah. definitely excited to be there. And I, I think a lot of people maybe were kind of like me where they kind of, you know, a lot of maybe Americans, especially, you know, you plan to do Dublin, the Dublin shows, or you plan to do Belfast Dublin, whatever. Um, like for me, it was, mm-hmm. I planned to do London Belfast Dublin. And then I added Berlin because it just happened to work out. And I felt terrible for the people who couldn't make it, but I felt secretly kind of mm-hmm. lucky that I got to add this at the end um, because mm-hmm. I wanted to be the last show of the tour. Cause I was in Tulsa. So I wanted to bookend it um, with this. And, uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. But I just love how at the end of I will follow that Adam Edge and Bono were just all as close together as they were and clustered up, but mm-hmm. really, no, really I love great. It too. Yeah. I mean, they don't really, I mean, Ed just said before, he doesn't really think too much about where he puts himself in this stage. Cause there's just too much to do with him, especially, but it's good when those things kind of just happen. And now he pogos. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is the first, um, first glory on a, on a home release since, uh, under Blood Red Sky, right? Yeah, that's mm. true. Too long. It's a great song. <laughs> yeah. It's now occurring to me. I want to look at... Yeah, there is a video for this song. Um, and I'm wondering if, like... That's probably not the case, but... I wonder if, if maybe the director, the editor of this maybe tried to emulate the editing of that video and copy it to this video. You know, they cut to edges guitar during this part. Let's cut to edges guitar. Also probably Mm. not, but I think that'd be kind of cool way to throw a little bit of subtle tribute Mm. to the, to the song. If they were switching this live, I would think that'd be too hard. to do. You just kind of have to go with it. Yeah. But if you're in the editor room then maybe just for fun. Yeah. You know, just to do a side by side. Shout out to Larry's glasses, by the way. We didn't see him, but they we've seen him a couple times, and I just feel like people would be mad if we didn't mention them. I, I agree with that. I love Larry's glasses. I missed them this past fall. I was like, where are the glasses? Um, no, I love Larry's glasses on this entire tour. I thought it was very, I don't know. Ladies out there will know what I'm talking about. Ladies, guys, whoever mm-hmm. you are that love Larry. Yeah, we like the glasses. So. I'm trying to get, I wish they would hold on to it for a little longer. I can't tell what's on Adam's shirt. He usually has fun stuff on his shirts. I yeah, I can't tell what that is either. Looks like a like a front door, maybe. Mm-hmm. Might be Cedarwood, I don't know, or his house, maybe. There's Larry in the glasses we just saw. Oh, love those. Love the glasses. I gotta say, this is of all their songs where they just break down to introduce everybody. This, I think, this is by far the best one because, like, the song's written so everybody has their chance. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. Love this song. Yeah. 
And it's a cool part of the show where you just get to see the band as a four-piece band, and that's it. Mm. You know, just this is them in the clubs again. Yeah, good point, too. I mean, they started that way in Innocence and Experience, and, you know, mm-hmm. I wonder what the decision was like to kind of still go back to that, but have those two big new songs to start. Yeah. Oh, Adam, good <laughs> lord. <laughs> Love this bass solo. I think he makes a mistake at some point, but I'm not sure. I'm dumb about those things. I would have no idea if you made a mistake. I don't. <laughs> Good for you guys if you can tell. I have no musical uh, knowledge or. As far as I'm concerned, so. every performance is perfect. I have no idea. It's really <laughs> obvious. Me too. I agree too. Yes. There's only one very noticeable mistake in this whole performance that I will point out later. Good. And Thank but you. but it's fine. But I'm cool that they. It's cool that they leave mistakes in. You know, they're not. Yeah, I saw there was a there was a great documentary uh, last uh, last year. It was Bruce Springsteen's Western Stars, where he just plays oh, all yeah. the songs from the album at the very end. One of my favorite things about it, he's like, I think it was a good performance. The room played well. There were just the right amount of mistakes. I kind of look at that. <laughs> That's like a good philosophy for life. I think exactly <laughs> just the right amount I, of mistakes. I absolutely agree with that, and I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just the right amount of mistakes. Almost, but not quite referencing the Van Morrison song, Gloria. Was it Van Morrison? I thought it was Patti Smith, or is it both? Nah. I'm sure it's Van Morrison for, or one of the bands that he was in that did that song first. So Beautiful Day kicks in, and it's interesting that like it kind of breaks up the timeline of the Innocence part in a way because it was made in 2000 recorded in 2000 but it's it is a song of innocence definitely it it definitely and and when this song came out a lot of people remarked that it sounds like old school u2 i never understood um, that i mean i was i've obviously not been around very long but i this sounds nothing like you know boy october I, war to me but it's just my, I think more just so i think more so the crescendo parts uh at the end i i sort of got i sort of got it at that time because the 90s were so experimental that this sounded like yeah. old passion u2 because it didn't it couldn't you couldn't compare it to anything else really but you couldn't like you couldn't come into this blind and say that i will follow in beautiful day are from the same decade to me i don't no. know that's, that's just that's picking nits but yeah but it still makes sense to have this song at this point in the show in my opinion well, yeah. I'd, I'd rather have it i'd rather have it early than than later Mm-hmm. Definitely, and again, this is a thing where if you're a casual YouTube fan, if you know them, love them, got drug along to the oh. show by somebody you loved or are annoyed mm-hmm. by, whoever you know, this song, and yeah. it's impossible to not get up and get into this song. And I can always tell wherever I'm sitting in the audience when people are. I try to stand the whole time. But this is great um, interplay with them. Adam and uh, Bono, by the way. I love this. Mm-hmm. Now I did when I when this first came out, I kind of scrubbed through it a little bit. I didn't watch the whole thing because I wanted to see some stuff for the first time, uh, and really sit down to watch it. And I'm just, yeah, they're really the band's chemistry is just really go through the roof so far. And Adam took his jacket off, so we can finally see what I think it's just a front porch on his shirt. <laughs> yeah, looks like it. <laughs> Very interested in their fashion choices on stage, especially. We saw a shot earlier of Edge's foot hitting the pedal. And good. I'd like to see more of that. <laughs> just we gotta just have a camera on Edge's feet the whole show and just watch how much he has to do, you know? So how <laughs> close was Bono to you at this point, Amy, when he's coming up behind the stage? Uh yeah, so I was in second row, so he's so you have the stage, you have the I don't know, what is that, six or eight feet between the stage and the rail. And right. then first row, and then me. Were you dead on, or were you kind of more t- on Edge's or Adam's side? I uh, a little bit more to Edge's side, to mm. the right. They're all, they're all really I, they're all really good about playing to the different parts of the arena. They know that this stage is tricky and isn't great for any one person. So they, I think they do a good job of giving everybody some love. 
Oh, yeah. There's never a bad seat in the house at any YouTube show. And I've been from every vantage point you could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I kind of almost, I, I definitely saw it from uh, behind the stage a few times on this tour and kind of like it. I kind of dig the proximity to the band just in general, even though, because I know what's, what's going on. And yeah, they're just like, everybody's just going crazy at this point. Like I said, if you were sitting down because you didn't know Gloria, as soon as you hear beautiful day, you're right back mm-hmm. on your feet. So yeah and you're right they look up at this they look up at everybody they make everybody feel included in the performance um i love that i've been to the vertigo concert in chicago that they filmed for the dvd and they do some different lighting for these shows when they film them um or at least I, I think they do for all of them. Maybe not all of them, but I don't know. Amy, was there any notice noticeable lighting differences when you went to this show? No, because no? Weston say no. I didn't notice. That's not to okay. say they didn't. Happen. Okay. Uh, well, I, just, I, I meant like they light the audience during weird, like certain points. Like I just remember in Chicago uh, for that Vertigo show, they would like in between songs, they would suddenly light up the audience in the rafters and then just take the lights down. Uh, just sort of randomly, it seemed. And I'm just wondering, because the lighting on this video is very uh, beautiful. Just the reds and the blues in the background to illuminate the audience, I just think is wonderful. But I'm just wondering if that was the show or if that's specifically for the video. I'm sure it happened. I just don't. I'm not yeah. smart enough with that <laughs> sort of thing to okay. know that. Um, and yeah. I've also been to a lot of shows where people are like, oh, they're going to record this one. And people get all excited. And I'm always mm-hmm. like, don't get your hopes up. We have no idea. Yeah, um, right. Uh, so I was just more like, for me, this show is just like excitement, but at the same time, like bittersweet because you're like, I don't know. Well, you like, just mentioned you know, the voice ordeal. Tour. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a really good call out because, yeah, how he talks well, about that's what how he talked about. <laughs> that's true. Love this. Dirty Day is such a curveball to throw in this tour. I love it. Oh, and it was late too. Yeah, it was not a staple by any means. It was. It came in just like the uh, second to last Dublin show, right, Amy? Was yeah, that, Dublin that? three. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I looked up on on YouTube for that performance, and as soon as the audience heard Adam's bass line, it was like they went nuts. Like the people who know <laughs> people like us went nuts uh, because it's like, Oh my God, it's dirty day. I mean, what else there's that bass. It's so, uh, I mean, that's, you know, this is a great Adam song and throwing this in over instead of Cedarwood road for this graphic uh, is also really imaginative and inspired. I just don't think if at the end of the at the end of the Innocence tour, if you told somebody like, "Hey, the last show of the next tour after this, the sequel tour, is going to have Acrobat and Dirty Day in it," I don't think <laughs> I'd be like, "What? The, what are you talking about? Shut up!" <laughs> but, right. But I think we heard. Um, I don't know how common knowledge it was, but there was a kind of a rehearsal uh, audio that went around of Edge singing part of this as well as Bono. But I think mm-hmm. Bono sings most of it when the actual the song kicks in. Also, shout out to the graphics department because I'm assuming they didn't have that much notice to get all this kind of stuff together. So I think whoever does the graphics and organizes that are the unsung heroes of this tour, especially. Uh, yeah, to hear to hear the director of this show tell it, um, this was a lot of this was at the last minute. Yeah, uh, fabulous work. Yeah. So again, like when I first saw this set list and I was like, oh, we're not going to have the story of the mother, you know, Iris and Cedarwood. We're going to miss, we're going to skip the innocence part. How's this going to work? Of course, you know, they exceeded expectations of doing, taking this show and to another level and making it about his father instead of his mother. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of timeline, when innocence was coming out, I think 
Bono's daughters were kind of getting to be, if not fully more and more independent, whereas right now it's his sons that are probably becoming more and more their own thing. So I'm sure that's what led into it. Mm -hmm. Also this, um, this visual that you, you should be seeing right now with the room spinning, that's an idea that was held over from innocence and experience last tour where they wanted to do actual physical rooms flying around or Mm. in some aspect. So it's good to see that that idea survived to 2018. (laughs) Yeah. His relationship with his father has always been really interesting and he's always talked about it so candidly. Mm -hmm. And I I think he has a great line later in the show about seeing his father's face in the mirror, you know, just, uh, yeah. You should definitely. be roughly right now seeing a really tight close up of Bono talking right to the camera. Just straight ahead. Yeah. It's beautiful. And yeah. And uh Mason, you mentioned Edge singing on this with Bono. We just heard them do have a nice uh <clears throat> singing to singing with along with each other with uh, dragging me down not the way it used to be yeah. and i just think that sounds great with the two of them singing that part they really complement each other beautifully it's just yeah one of those just funny little coincidences mm-hmm. that i'm sure they've worked at but still yeah And I think this is the first time in the show the light bulb appears. Mm. Um, a recurring image from the last tour and this tour, and we'll come back later, of course. Um, wow. Yeah, incredible. The horses motif makes me think that Dirty Day and... Um, maybe was brought in to compliment wild horses that comes up later. Maybe they were kind of written like that. Yeah. I like, I like that idea. Good. I'm so jealous of people got to see this show. <laughs> I just, well, the man, thing is, I mean, what a great set list. I mean, I'm, I know I've seen you. There's people who haven't seen you two in a long, long time. Who you know? Well, I was going to say this has done so well that it, it puts you there. Oh, as far man. as I'm concerned, if you got a, oh, a big I, TV yeah. and a rocking sound system, I know. Then, whew, I know. It's just like, uh, it's like my dream set list, starting with Dirty Day and for the next you know ten songs. Mm. It's like, are you kidding me? I think this whole, and it's been said before, but I think this whole section puts the puts to bed the an Octung Baby anniversary because they really, I mean, they've pretty much done it all at this point. They've done it twice in a way. I mean, they've done yeah. it here and they did it in the three sixty tour as well. Yeah, it'd be. I mean, it'd be cool, I guess, but I mean, yeah, I don't. Th- I think Octung Baby sure is very relevant. Obviously, why they're picking these songs in twenty eighteen, nineteen, twenty, but. I just don't see how you do better than what they've done with all these songs in the last 10 years or so. Everything's mm-hmm. been played except for So Cruel, right? Yeah. That's the, that's my White Whale. That's the only Octung Baby song I've never seen played live. I know they, they did it once or maybe twice, but mm. yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we got big White Whale coming up, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I do remember thinking in Dublin that maybe the, the Dirty Day stuff was uh, like Dublin specific to kind of like pay tribute to their families while being there. Um, mm-hmm. So to see it carry over to Berlin was interesting. I think knowing that the show, the tour was going to come to an end there, I feel like that really was the extra push they needed to go so deep with Octung. And Zeropa, if we're being honest, if you mm-hmm. know, for due credit. Mm-hmm. Also, Amy, was the... What was the show actual lighting like with this? Was it this kind of blue hue to it, or is this post-production? Oh, you're asking me to remember something <laughs> that I probably wasn't paying that much attention to. Um, it seems color-graded, but I can't, I can't tell for sure, which means it's a good job at color-grading. 
let me put it this way. When I look at this, it, there's nothing about this that I go, wow, it didn't look like this at all. How about that? Okay. Does that so make it sense? probably was lit like this. Maybe with a little bit added just for. Yes. Hmm. But if there are any people from you two who happen to be listening to this, cause they're also bored at home. Hi Larry. Um, <laughs> yes. So I'm, I could be totally wrong. So feel free to, uh, to let us know. But, um, a lot of the specifics that you guys talk about production and stuff like mm-hmm. that, I'll be honest, I don't notice that much. <laughs> so Let's, I, mean, I love that kind of stuff. So it's a good balance. Also, no, that's we, cool. We that's just cool. kind of I, uh, ran over it, but I just wanted to quickly mention there was a shot a, few, a little while ago of it looked like the camera placed on the catwalk sh- shooting the band up at the eye stage that I don't think they did with Innocence and Experience, but even if they did, I just want to highlight how awesome it is. I love that, mm-hmm. you know, doing that. Zoo Station is one of those songs that I uh, it's it's a top fiver for me of U two songs. Wow. I just when I hear when I hear the Ooh. the album version, it's I I'm blown away by the production. Uh, Eno's you know flourishes in there, and just like if you know when you listen to the Berlin um, outtakes and you hear little traces of zoo station or Salome or whatever, you know, whatever they're working on that Adam's bass primarily and, and Larry's drums. It's like, man, how did they go from that to what zoo station is now? Like, where did that mix come from of just having that distorted guitar intro and Larry coming in with distorted drum intro? I'm just, I'm amazed by like what the thought that an imagination that goes into that. Uh, and I'm really glad he calls out um, Brian Eno in this show because yeah. Eno to me is just, you know, one of the geniuses of, of music working today. I mean, there's no, I don't think there's any doubt about that. The guy is just, mm. you know, Zoo Station is uh, the kind of force of, of nature. Yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. Zoo Station is probably the song, I think the most underrated song from, from Octung. It's my favorite album by far. And it's when I always kind of just, I sometimes forget about it. And then when I listen to it, I'm just like, oh, this, this song rules. And this, yeah. this performance is definitely why. But not as much as this one. Woo! <laughs> Fly is my number two. And I just, uh, of all time mm. for you two. So I just, yeah. oh man, this song, this performance is just, there's little thing like I'm not crazy about the guitar tone. I think one that they did on 360 was a little bit better just because of how gruff it is. And this is kind of, I don't know, more conventional rock and roll guitar. And mm-hmm. the other one's a little bit distorted. And I love Bono doing distorted vocals on this one, which they didn't do here. But in terms of presentation, I mean, you can't beat this with the two of them on the catwalk yeah. and the, the visuals up on the screen. It's just uh, it owns. I love this. And with that, I have to point out this is where the mistake comes in okay. <laughs> that I was talking about. Perfect Bono timing. Comes in, Bono comes in a little late at one point, uh, and he has to sort of catch up with the band. Um, I can, I what else is new? I know. Destroy their lives, right? I know. But hey, if that's the only one I can think of from this, that's pretty good. You know, the two and a half hour show. Also, it seems like Edge is having some mic issues on this song. Hmm. This is not a rehearsal. Just flipped on the screen if you want to reorient yourself. Back to back. Love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. I do love when they, when they are, because it, it feels like one of my favorite things about you two is that it's a, a friendship of four people that's lasted so long. And it's never, to me, that's when the neatest part about it is it's four friends that have just stayed friends and made a life together. And they're still acting like it's, you know, the late seventies and they're in, Somebody's garage. I love mm-hmm. it. Cause you can't fake that kind of chemistry or that kind of genuine love and appreciation for each other. There's there it is. There we go. There it is. Yep. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> <clears throat> And if you're out there and you have no idea what they're talking about with the mistake, neither I have no idea either. So you're not alone. I was there and I've seen this show many times. So guitar so low. I love how they switched to color for this too. On the screen. Yeah, yeah. that's great. 
and again, here we go. Nice, smooth shot coming in on Bono and Edge. Not a lot of cuts. It's just, uh, I think this they just did a magnificent job of shooting and editing this. And we saw the split screen device used earlier. And again, it's just like, just let the camera, just leave, let, 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 let the musicians dictate the cuts, not the other way around. Um, and we get to actually just see the musicianship and the showmanship. I mean, this is a lot like shooting a Broadway play in a lot of aspects. Yeah. You know, 360 maybe was a little bit easier. Joshua Tree even more so since everything's all together. But this, there's so many things to consider whenever you cut to a shot or put a shot in. It's just really, mm-hmm. when somebody can do it well, it's just very, it's just doubly impressive as if they were just on the eye stage, which is also hard. Yeah. Because you got to find creative ways to show people in one spot. This one, you have to find mm-hmm. creative ways to show them in five different spots at once. And Adam giving some love to the people in the cheaper seats where Amy was. Were they cheaper? I don't know. <laughs> it's called the cheaper seats. I think technically, because you yeah. couldn't see the screen. So yeah. I usually got those seats behind the stage for a deal, even face value. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can't see the screen technically because you're behind the stage. Like you can't see the big giant screen, but I always prefer, uh, proximity to band members to proximity to like visual stuff. So Mm. that's my seat preference. I love Edge going out on a high note, like literally a high note on that one. Oh, he, he and Bono of... whacking at each other. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Goofballs. Everybody, everybody in the world deserves to have a Bono to their Edge or vice versa. Yeah, no love what they have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a great, that is a great uh, quote. I'm going to steal that, Mason. <laughs> I don't know if I have one, honestly, but Make- it's a great point. Or, or or three friends that you just know you can count on for anything. Yeah. 75 cents every time you use it, just so you know. Oh, okay. And to jump from that little interplay to talking about when the band was at their worst and most confrontational and angry is also beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those songs didn't come out of thin air. They 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 had to. Oh no, it was a t- <laughs> it was a difficult birth. <laughs> oh man. And I think to talk about this in Berlin is also pretty poignant. I know for me mm-hmm. to be like, oh, this is exactly where this was. Hans, it couldn't be that far uh, away, right? Someone's going to Google map that at home. Did you go there, Amy, when you were there? I didn't. I did Dublin. Then I went uh, back to London really quickly to see a friend. And then I landed in Berlin the day before the show and uh, got my usual um, starting to lose my voice uh, (laughs) and weird weather. And on the, I will be honest, on show days, I get there when the show starts, but I I don't hang out ahead of time. Mm. I don't go to the, the stadium early. I went and did uh, the Brian Eno uh, mention just came through. By the way, not it was a few seconds mm. ago, but if you want to chat a little bit about that, Colin. Well, just uh, well, I, I want to interrupt Amy anymore. What were you going to say? Amy? Oh, oh no, I was just saying I, I, oh, okay. I, I did uh, German tourist things, Berlin tourist things during the day before I went to the show. That's all I was going to say. Oh, okay, it had nothing to do with okay. anything. So. <laughs> just loaded up with Wiener Schnitzel. I saw okay, so I just saw two pairs of devil horns. <laughs> so there's <laughs> um but yeah, just one of the things that I like anytime the subject of the making of Octung Baby comes up, it's you know, I always want to know like what did Eno contribute to this or how did he fix this problem? I know it's Lenoir and Flood and all of them are there, but uh just I just to pick Eno's brain uh about how you know, certain uh, text- sonic textures come up, I just think would be fascinating. I know he's written a bunch of books, so I should probably read them. Now here in the video, this is a really uh, a great way to just change up 
a concert video by just removing the audience and and subsequently uh, i think i don't think changing to black and white was a um was just a, a on a whim too i think you know taking out the color you know, you think is kind of saying when you take away the audience you're it's not that you're just left with them but that the audience is what kind of gives texture and the fans that give texture to this band and what makes them special that the songs are great but without us what is there yeah you know, tree falls in the very... tree falls in the forest kind of thing and it is you know when they cut back uh to the wide shots and you see like i'm looking at right now they got the you know camera crew just kind of standing around <laughs> looks like they're social distancing actually but um smart ahead of their time there's uh yeah but uh there's i i also think that there's a tribute to vim vendors going on here because this song came about from uh vendors was making a sequel to wings of desire called far away so close and you two wrote a song for that film and those movies uh, are the black and white imagery in those movies are, you know, it's, it's, it's crucial to mm. the storyline about these angels uh, who people can't see, but they can hear people's inner thoughts. And um, it's a, those movies go from color to black and white, depending on whose story there is being told at the time. Huh. And so I think this is also in reference to that, uh, just, you know, kind of bringing the song back to its roots uh, as a song written for, a really lovely movie. Can and when I saw this the first time, I thought I've this was, they, they just kind of on a whim put a rehearsal in just as like a last minute choice. But I saw a camera on a camera track earlier. So yeah. I guess this must have been discussed yeah. and thought of and planned ahead of time. So I'm fascinated yeah, to know what that and, conversation was like. It was Bono and Gavin's idea. Really? Uh, Gavin Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they discussed it with the director before. Um, That's just a, cool idea amy where did you ask a question oh i was just gonna say i'm learning so much about you too just um (laughs) extra you two stuff that i don't know so i was just gonna say i want to check that movie out so it's really hard to find it's hard to find i figured as much but i've got time to i've got time to (laughs) investigate you can probably find it somewhere i don't know maybe i last time i checked a few months ago amazon had dvds of it for sale but it was really expensive and i think it's out of print um but Wings of Desire, you should definitely see. That is, uh, they they had nothing to do with that movie, but it's absolutely a masterpiece, and you should check it out. Okay, very cool. Yeah, and I'll try to find far. Is it far away? So close. That's the, the follow yeah. up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's not as good, but it's worth seeing. I've seen a lot of stuff that's not very good in the last few weeks, so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I love this song. Like I said, for me, um, I think it's it's great to have the three of us on this because you guys are all very technical and talking about stuff that I don't pay attention to at all or I'm not smart enough to notice because when I'm in a YouTube show or when I'm listening to their music, it's all about the way that I feel. And this song is just so emotional and beautiful and I usually end up like closing my eyes during part of it. And yeah, I, I just I love the way the song makes me feel. Very so. beautifully said. Yeah. And this, we got a great, just- great cutback coming up soon that I just love. Ugh. Right about now ish. Oh, and then they hear the audience coming in. And the and color comes back, back color. up. That's the oh. key. Is the color that comes right back up? Oh, it's beautiful. That's genius. Yep. That is fantastic direction. Uh, the whole concept. I. It would have been. It's so much more interesting than just like we're just gonna shoot this song as they sing it in front of the crowd because it's. I mean, you could tell like there's they got challenges when they're mm-hmm. filming this um, with them on the with just the four of them on the ramp. Uh, there's not a whole lot of choices you can make in the editing for that. So why not make a brave one? Yeah, it's exactly. <clears throat> also, I just want to say how amazing it is that this stage just drops out the bottom and all the engineering again. Shout out to all the behind the scenes engineers and everybody who figures this stuff out. Cause it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And now obviously we have one of the big bangers from the, from the show. I mean, I, I Amy, as you know, in Tulsa and uh, as with this show, 
Wild Horses kind of made like a little comeback and I got to see it at the Apollo, which was awesome. And then, again, that show in Tulsa here. And I just like, it's one of those kind of things where it's like, how, how don't they play this song every show kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I guess in terms of a, just the four piece playing a rock song, you can't get much better than until the end of the world. So this is a cool little choice to not, um, to bring a, a lesser known, but still awesome song to the forefront. Mason, you want to check your connection a little bit on your mic? It's you're getting a little distorted. <clears throat> but yes, I yeah, having the song in every U two show, it seems like it should be like an old standard. But they are replacing an old standard on this one. On this, I don't mean to call them old standards, but until the end of the world is a staple, always has been since uh, 1992. So for them to do away with that. I mean, and especially what the way they used it in the Innocence show, um, where it closed out part one as, you know, in a way that only you'd think only that song could to replace it with a song like this that is um, a different animal, I think. Uh, but the way the, the crescendo that they build up to on this version of the song is very much until the end of the world esque in terms of you know just how it builds and builds and and uh it, it's it's a brilliant way to close this section of the it show it seems like the crowd is Again, really into takes... it too which is always helpful yeah yeah oh yeah this one's a like you said a banger like even if you don't know the words you're enjoying it and you're you're up you're, you're out of your seat and jumping around Like I said earlier, this is like the fourth or fifth straight song that I just use that guitar on. Love the visuals on this too. The clouds or whatever they are, waves, waves. clouds. Just kind of the way that they're yeah. breaking in the bottom of the screen. Yeah, well, there was waves before and until the end of the world, so that makes sense. So it's just right. different kinds, I guess. If you wanted to play a drinking game at home, take a shot every time you see Bono checking lyrics on on a screen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hold it up higher. Hold the iPad (laughs) up higher. (laughs) Oh, the McFisto horns are together. Oh, I didn't realize that. How cute. Yeah. I don't know how they were able to fit a camera onto the ramp yeah. to get some of these closer up shots. Like we just saw a few ago of Bo- looking up at Bono and edge, but very impressive that they were able to figure out the machinery mm-hmm. and make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. It can't be easy to, to get some of this. So this, I think the, uh, the director said they had 26 cameras going. I think by comparison, show. the Super Bowl has usually what, like 60? Something like that. <laughs> Maybe <Yeah>. more. <laughs> but. but they didn't really have time to like rehearse yeah. uh, filming. So, yeah, I mean, usually when they do a show, when they film a show, it's it's a, like the second or third time that night that they're shooting. But Berlin, it was, they just kind of had to... Mm-hmm. Uh, fly by the seat of their pants. It was going to be the Dublin show that they were going to film. I love how they... Now, Amy, was the Dublin... The Dublin show, was that the staging a little different? Because they couldn't... Uh, 
Didn't they have to change the staging for Dublin and for Innocence? I personally just love the way this ends the first half of the show with them just rocking out. Can Amy hear me? All together. Amy, can you hear me? I don't think Amy can hear me. I can hear Mason, you. can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to stop pretty soon anyway. Figure out what's going on. I love this split screen here with uh, the sort of three part on the bottom half of the split screen. Uh, I just, I think that looks really wonderful. We said we pause it here and recalibrate. So we're going to stop pretty soon for uh, part one of our commentary track. And, um, I just want to say just one thing about this video that they did for Hold Me, Throw Me. Uh, my second favorite band is Arcade Fire. And so to have Regine Chassange uh, as a vocalist on here is like a dream come true to have you two and someone from Arcade Fire collaborating on a track. <laughs> and I'm also a huge Gavin Friday fan. So that's just like this is like a dream come true for me this this whole video this whole song this version of it it's like you got all your this is like made just for me i feel like i just i love it we're gonna stop right here and uh we will join us for part two we will give you a uh countdown to when to start part two of the commentary track and uh we hope you enjoyed this we hope you join us for part two thanks for listening